Welcome to the Directing Animation Livecast with Scott Weiser. Now that I'm done directing the development and first episode of the second series of Space Station Animation, I'm joining up with Steamroller Animation to push the boundaries of the art form. Thanks to the support of so many of you, I'm continually developing more than 10 dynamic feature film pitches while mastering the art of telling deeply meaningful stories. Today we have Pietro Schito with us. Pietro is a writer in animation. One of the questions that I get that's the most difficult to answer is what's the pathway to become a writer? And so it's really great to have Pietro on. He started as an editor in Italy in Avid, and then he moved to the Film Academy in New York to study screenwriting and found later on a bustling animation community in Mexico where he has helped a couple directors write their films. And those directors were mentored by Guillermo del Toro. So really cool experiences that Pietro has had so far. Since this is a collaboration, Pietro is actually going to do an introduction for me and add anything that I left out. That's awesome. Thank you so much, uh, Scott. And uh, yeah, we have a, a portion uh, of this on our YouTube channel. So I'm going to introduce you. Scott is an incredible director and writer, one of the most prolific uh, creators I, I met. I was really, really impressed, especially by the 10 pitches that you can find on, on his webpage. I invite you to explore that because it's a it's a lot of work. It's, a, it's what I invite every writer to do to really focus on creating more and more projects, building a portfolio. He's now at Steamroller, helping the team, supervising animation. And I bet his uh, creative juice and flow has um, other things going on and, and working on other projects that, that he will announce soon. So uh, for me, it's a pleasure to be here and chatting. And uh, it's great to have this uh, wonderful collaboration. Yes. Awesome. Thank you. That's a great intro. <laughs> Thank you for your kind words. and. Again, the reason I think that it's hard for us to tell somebody, okay, this is the direct pathway to animation is because often writers in the past have kind of emerged from the team. So you'll have a group right. of story artists and they're all throwing ideas onto the wall and they're making the story. And then one of them just kind of becomes the writer, right? So in Pixar, it was Andrew Stanton who was the writer early on, but later on Pixar did start bringing some writers from outside of the studio that they had seen do doing prolific work inside of outside in the industry, right? It was really great and they loved the work. So they brought them in-house to write, but that's still kind of a hard pathway. That means you have to get some successful films that are in live action before you can do animation, but you have a different approach. So you said you had three things that you think that people should focus on. Let's start there. And then we can go through your 11 points of actual writing and then any other questions that we think of along the way. Yeah, I think that is a, a great, great question. And it comes from uh, my own experience was um, getting in love uh, with the craft of animation before discovering writing. And uh, when I was a little kid, and from Italy, so I was uh, in Milan traveling to Rome on a train, and I, I saw two Disney animators. They were doing illustrations at that time for Tarzan, and I was in a, I was. It was amazing to see like the trade on on the pen. So for a, a big part of my life, I wanted to be uh, an artist and work for for Disney and the things that I used to to watch in, in the, at the movie theater. And so, but it was uh, until later when uh, there was a screenwriter from Disney coming to my university, giving a, a a series of like a workshop, very long workshop where we used to write comic books, and for Disney and for a preteen and teenager audience. Uh, uh, 
and something very popular in Italy, a superhero, um, um, Donald Duck, that uh, no, not many people know about. It's very cool. And by the way, but uh, anyway, uh, what I'm trying to say is that it's um, it opened up a, a new reality for me. There was there's there are actually ways to tell a story, principles that you can follow that I had no idea that existed. I used yeah. to do. Uh, and like films uh, and, and um, like our movies with my brothers, with uh, my parents' camera, and uh, without any knowledge of storytelling and screenwriting. So uh, when I discovered uh, that, it was amazing. And uh, at some point, I discovered I, I, I mean, drawing was not uh, was always been a passion, but was not like what I wanted to do. I wanted I really yeah. wanted to focus on I mean stories. Makes sense. And so. I started working independently with animation projects, and then uh, thanks to uh, being able to learn more about writing at the New York Film Academy, then I, I started learning this harsh reality where it's really, really hard to get into an animation studio yes. without an artistic background. And it's, it's like, you, I'm, I'm so passionate. What, what you describe about uh, the early days at Pixar and uh, these collaborative uh, art form which is animation is exactly that the collaboration of being in the same room seeing the artist sketching something on on a, a piece of paper throwing an idea that is not just uh, the writer in uh, his or her cave writing and then submitting and then uh, then you're not involved in anything else and it's, it's just your voice and there is this magical connection that's created when you when you write something and then the story artist brings it uh, into pictures and then you get to see it and, and make the story better. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that is the magic. And so the problem is that there's no space, uh, there's not, there's not a specific space for us to uh, become a part of a, of a film, you know, a big studio, they have a very limited amount of films. And so the, the standard way is write a lot, get an agent, then hopefully your agent is in connections with the studio. They send it to the development department, which is usually just a few people reading scripts. And then if you're selected among many, many scripts, then you're presented, for example, a Pixar a director gets to see, I think it's three writers and they give them samples. And then, and then you have a meeting and then you can finally get to write for one of these uh, big studios. Yeah. That's one in a million. I mean, that is, uh, <laughs> that is, uh, it's easier to win the lottery. And that might be for and one feature film. That doesn't mean you're a staff writer. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's only for uh, one feature film. Then of course, once you made the team and there, there are possibilities uh, that emerge, of course, especially if you think about like a big studio uh, like that. But, at the same time, I think that there is another way. And, and I think that is, um, and uh, I was chatting, we have a video on the YouTube channel with uh, Jared Bosch. Jared Bosch, the mm -hmm. co-writer and co-director of uh, Zootopia, Encanto, Moana, and more. Yeah. And um, he jokingly say that people have uh, the, his art on, at Disney on their walls as a joke because he, he says that he's terrible at it and that he, he definitely does not have a... a a background in, in um, an artistic background. Right. And um, he's, he became friend with Howard, uh, the, the director, and, and uh, that is what um, now getting to, to those three elements, I think that getting in touch on a personal level with people and creating meaningful connections, showing your passion, like 
when because when we love animation, it's like something you can't just hold. Like I'm, I'm yeah. very in, I'm an introvert, but but I get passionate when I talk about the craft because it's really really something magical. And so you start meeting people, producers, directors. There's there are a lot of people. They have a story, and there are a lot of artists that they have stories, but they don't know how to write. There are a lot of directors at studios that, or, or animation directors, supervisors, or people that in different capacities, they, they have stories, they don't have time to develop them. And so I encourage you to, to you know, you get in touch with people, even, it's it's incredible because I I left uh, uh, the US and came from, from LA, I came back to, to Mexico, mm-hmm. and then I kind of felt like, you know, uh, here the industry is way smaller, and uh, and I was very like sad and worried uh, about the future. And now I'm closer to Hollywood than when I was in LA because I yeah. found this local community. We'll, we'll get to that probably in in a in a moment. What I'm trying to say is that even if you are not in LA, if you are not close to the like a film industry, find your people, find find your tribe where you live and connect with them. And all those three elements, these are, I think are the foundation for any writing career. Specifically for animation, I would guess uh, it's like to create a habit of writing uh, consistently. That is the you, that's already half the battle. If yeah. you're able, sit on the chair and write, and maybe not every day. It can be I write from Monday through Friday and leave mm-hmm. my weekend to oh, cool. also for the family, but also to refresh and have recover, uh, yeah. you know recover. Yeah, and then uh, uh, the second one learn about the craft because uh, not knowing and not learning about the craft paralyzes you or makes you, or even worse, makes you think, think that, you know, that this is just something that is a flow, artistic flow that will come from you. And it's not, at all. it's not, it's not. <laughs> yeah. That the craft is one, one of those things that, that I could just talk yeah. endlessly about, you know, and, and those are some of my favorite conversations is how you write a great organic story. Cause it's one of the hardest things in the world to do. I think. Yeah. The more you learn, the more you realize you have to learn. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You never finish. I remember these uh, Disney guys see that in your background, you have one of the most famous books about screenwriting story. And when, when he, ah, yes. the Disney um, screenwriter gave it to us and, and uh, he said, yeah, read it. And then you have your whole life to understand it. And, yes. And so, yeah. And that's the storybook, right? Robert McKee's story. The storybook. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that one, it's dense. It's dense. Yeah. For sure. You go yeah. back and I read it. I suggest people to, to read Sidfield first and then move, move to story later. Yeah. The, anyway, yeah, it's something that, that you then you learn that, that those books are great, they are helpful, but then there's a totally different layer that you, you get a glimpse of at the beginning, but then it, it's... Um, it becomes ingrained and and uh, and uh, you never stop learning and that yeah. um, and uh, it's great to see wonderful films that that you say one day I want to write something as meaningful as yeah. that and so yeah yeah it is uh, uh, one of my favorite screenwriting is- gurus is Brian McDonald and I've had him on the show before and he <laughs> says that he compares being able to see great storytelling is Native Americans being able to see the footprints in the grass and that would be big grass where it's like 
you know, you step on it, it springs right back up. Right. But right. they've trained because they, they know how to track animals and that sort of thing. And, and maybe enemies, I don't know, but they know how to see the footprints in the grass. And, and it's not an easy thing to see, but the more you do yeah. it, the better you get at it. And it gets to the point where if a movie flops or falls flat, you can look at that movie and start to see, okay, what did they do? Right. What could have been better? You know, and you can start to solve problems a lot faster, yes. but, um, to your point as well, it's going to take a while, you know, it takes practice mm -hmm. and practice and practice. It takes daily yeah. writing and also daily analysis, you know, of being able to say, yes, how is well, this story? How can I make this story better? Uh, there are some films that I, I still am analyzing and I, I feel like I've hit exactly what was maybe wrong with them or what could have been improved. And then I learned something new, you know, then I'm like, Oh, actually it was even deeper of a problem than I, than I realized. And so mm -hmm. that's, that's really helpful as well. Yeah, and then it, it, I think I love how I love to nurture an attitude toward films that I, I don't like, or I see people that they or they flop, they flops, and then once you get to know people behind those movies, you understand yeah. that they knew the same things that we know. Yes, yeah. I would say for me, they knew a lot more, and they're uh -huh. sometimes in an environment where I'm surrounded by brilliant minds uh, who created the, the most wonderful films. And so I think it's um, it's humbling because you discover that there's no formula at all. There's never yeah. like a runaway if uh, somebody promises you a formula for screenwriting. And uh, <laughs> and, and also nobody knows. And and, uh, and, and recognizing that is uh, something that is um, it takes um, takes a lot of time, but also there's no there's no guarantee. And so you and then. Again, as you said, what could have been better? That is the best attitude. And and mm -hmm. I was telling with with my team of, of for for the YouTube channel, say, we never criticize a, a film, and you can uh, we never yeah. oh this didn't work not because not just because we respect people in the industry, but it's also respect for the craft and, and knowing how hard it is to to create a story. And so, what can you learn once when when you see a film? Uh, that didn't work for you. Some films, they, they have wonderful lessons, even if they were not great, because sometimes one portion, one element is not working and then destroys everything else, but everything else was was working well and you can learn a lot from it. Yeah. So I love your attitude on that. I had uh, the co-founder of Walden Media that they did the Chronicles of Narnia series and yeah, yeah. and a bunch of amazing work. And and I mentioned in a positive light, Mr. McGorham's Wonder Emporium. And he said that I was one of the first people that he heard mention that film in a positive light, but it's because I had dug into that thing so much that I saw all the promise of what the film could have been. And I also saw that, you know, with these uh, couple of ingredients, you know, this is how it could have been better, but I didn't look at it as a flop, you know? Mm -hmm. and, totally. and similarly, like if it's a massive, you know, billion dollar success, I don't look at it as a complete success. success. I look at it as a, mm -hmm. you know, as a learning experience an ability to look at somebody else's work, admire what they've done. Also think, how can we push it just a bit further, you know, and make it better? Yes. Yes. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. You see, so, yeah. So especially I see people that get fired up when especially if it's a series that you've been watching for years and then the ending is not oh yes <laughs> and uh yeah it's a, a lot of responsibility and yeah and, and the third thing um going back to the three things that the third one is connecting with others i think just just to give them i think this is one of the ways that once you do that is and and as we mentioned before it's like 
creating meaningful and real connection with people. And and, uh, and so then you have the three elements that, that are what you need for, for a screenwriting career. Because yeah. if you don't write, then you can learn. And I used to be like that. I used to learn when I, I, you get in love with the craft. I, I got in love with the craft and then started reading books and watching movies and analyzing. And then, then I wasn't writing. <laughs> and then I started connecting with people. At the, the early days of... Um, of Facebook, uh, I used to contact people from Hollywood. It was uh, crazy for me from from Milan, Italy. Oh, uh, somebody's actually answering me, answering me. And uh, you know, I, I used to love uh, the TV series Lost. So uh-huh. I started finding in the credits all the writers from from Lost and 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 get in touch with them. Got to meet the creators and as, almost like half as a fan and half as somebody trying to learn. Yeah. And I would get some great advice, but. I realized later that I wasn't putting in the work to write uh, mm-hmm. every day and to create projects and build a yeah. portfolio. And so you can have like you can have great connections and you can learn and read about the craft. But it's like, okay, I'm gonna read a manual on how to play the piano and compose a wonderful symphony. Yeah, you can read all day long, but but you will never or just listen to music and uh, to to learn how to compose. That's not gonna work. You, you, yeah. you need to write. And I have been cautioned by. Um a successful screenwriter who I think is one of the best in the industry told me, beware of which, you know, how much stock you put into a singular screenwriting book. Cause a lot of these books, if you look at all the films they've written, there's like none, <laughs> you know, so it's like how much writing have they done? Um, it's actually very hard to spot a great screenwriter, <laughs> you know, screenwriting yes, is one yes. of those skills. that's really hard to like prove to everybody you do great at it. You know, I've written several mm-hmm. books and kickstarted them. It still requires somebody to read the book for them to see. You know, so that's that's yes. an interesting conundrum that we can solve a later day. But yeah, so your three things were write every day, learn about the craft passionately and, and realize there's always something more to learn. And I like how you use the word connecting instead of networking, because I've been networked before where somebody's coming up to just say, OK, I've got him, you know, <laughs> I've got mm-hmm. him in my yeah, list. Um, yeah. And I'd rather I'd rather somebody care about me and the work I do, you know, and mm-hmm. if I'm connecting with somebody I try to do that. I try to add value to what they're doing before I ask, you know, something big, like give me your secrets. And <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that it's, um, you realize, especially in animation, you will soon realize if you're starting out that this is a very small industry. Yeah. Everybody knows each other. And mm-hmm. uh, it's about, you know, as any industry, there, there are challenges but I think that by, by the, uh, at the end of the day, it's all about like human connections. And, and also yeah. animation is even more, I think in animation, it's even more important to find somebody that you can work well with. Because, it is for how know, long it takes. <laughs> it takes a lot, a lot of time. And, yeah. and the writer uh, is involved uh, uh, like for uh, most of the process, from like the writing to the end. Uh, yeah, from the beginning, and that's what I love. I mean, collaborating specifically with directors is like this synergy and this uh, this way of back and forth of ideas. And and so, if you don't have a good relationship with uh, with them, then it's it's like um, you're nobody's gonna work with you because it's like if you're a hard person to work with, it's gonna be very hard uh, for for everybody. So I think that that's why. Um, I, I think that's true in life. I, I, I don't believe in, it's the same way I don't believe in numbers in terms of followers and things that like, uh, if you, some people, I try to reach out to people when they follow the, the, the YouTube ch- uh, channel or the, the accounts or on social media. I think a single personal relationship is 
way more important than, than having like um, a lot of people in your social media. It's, it's like that is so true. Yeah, yeah. and so that that that's something I I try to nurture and and try to find also find people that because you will find especially producers and people that you need to be careful and understand do they really love the craft or is it something that they do among other things and it's it's not they're not passionate about it yes. because uh, you can totally see if somebody is trying to oh let's get into the business of animation and, and make some money or or what is trendy right now and it's really i mean i would suggest uh you still take the jobs, if you're not working as a writer, if you're not getting paid, I think one of the best things that you can do for yourself and for your career is to find a, a gig as a writer. So uh, I wouldn't say take anything, but if uh -huh. it's something that, that resonates uh, with you, then take it, even if the environment maybe it's not uh, your, your ideal one. Because a lot of things start to happen when you get, uh, you, when you get paid and you get to work. First of all, there's the satisfaction that wow, somebody's paying me to do yeah, what yeah. I love to do. And so that is, but also you start having deadlines, uh, you start having to have uh, relate to present your stuff and defend your ideas and also welcome new ideas. So it puts you in an environment that's very, very different from, okay, this is my brilliant idea for the yeah. story. I'm going to develop it and sell it and, and everything will be perfect. So yeah. it puts you in, in that um it's also a great fear for writer's block because it's uh, once you yes. get need, when you have it, I think it was the, uh, Andrew Stanton that said the best cure for writer's block is a deadline. Yeah. So, and to just show up and write, you know, my son, yeah, my son up woke up today. He's like, I don't have, have any motivation. I was like, oh, motivation's overrated. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's all about totally. having that process of, okay, I'm, I'm sitting down, I'm here, you know? And trying exactly. not to procrastinate, you know, <laughs> when you do sit down and like, oh, I'm going to go check mm -hmm. LinkedIn and, and Twitter. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's nowadays it's, it's even harder. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's so many things that want to distract us. So focus is key. So let's let's go into your 11 points now of um, story. Structure yeah, I think and... that the, I expanded that recently to 14. So 14. It's a lot, but, but this is not, again, in, in writing, there, there are no formulas. But yeah. I think that one of the reasons people gets blocked and, and then they get to like they're waiting for inspiration and motivation and and all that which is wonderful when it when it comes uh you know was it now i'm probably butchering the quote but uh, was it picasso that said you know the, the inspiration um better find you writing uh, sorry uh creating or in his case uh um painting yeah working <laughs> yeah. anyway I, I did it i butchered the quote but <laughs> it's okay. the principles there yeah, You're going to find the inspiration part. doing the work. This is the doing idea. the work. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so this is a, a, a list that I put together for people to get one way of seeing the process and learning what at least one screenwriter is doing. So any writer work in their in a different way. So th this is not um, a formula to use, but I think we always start with an idea. So we have this idea in mind. And so, and then we try to, to condense the idea in a logline. A logline mm -hmm. is your your story, your film in one sentence. Again, for each of these points, there, there are a lot, a lot of examples where it doesn't work, people are doing it different. So so pick what what it works for you and what you resonates with you, try it and then change it. There are a lot of great movies 
that cannot be reduced to a single sentence. It would be very hard and uh, and to do that. But um, yeah. mostly, usually, you try to do that also for yourself for clarity to find like what is the main content. What what is what is that thing that when I tell somebody else, I see in their eyes that there's interest. That the, yeah, there is something. It's like the spark to the fire. The movie the is the spark. is the bonfire, and you've just created a spark. Um, but it's it's enough of a yeah. spark that you know that fire is going to rage, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so to do that, usually because it's not a marketing tool. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it can become that later, but a log lane for yourself. It's not for anybody else. Uh, and then I usually go uh, to an outline and I try to write the story. An outline is basically you pull up a Word document and just start, start in, uh, to write in prose and you just go through the film and, and all the ideas. This is just something as an exploration, yeah. and then uh, without censor, without trying to, without trying to find Filter. perfection. Or, or, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then I, I focus on six major beats uh, that I, I think there are like the bones that they give structure to this uh, messy outline that is there. And uh, usually it's like the inciting incident, which is the moment where things in the character's uh, life start like to. There is another spark there. Something happens that that uh, sets the story in motion, and then the first turning point, which between the side incident, and um, you know, you get to a point where the the character's life is completely turned upside down, and, and they're in a completely new environment. That can be an internal environment, or it can be like crossing a um, a threshold and getting into a different land or fantasy land or, wh- or whatever. But it's it's a complete change, and usually it's a point of no return you know, mm-hmm. when you get there. Yep. And that and and then I try to figure out the midpoint, which is this moment where the two opposite views in, in your story, the, the, the philosophical views uh, toward life, they clash somehow. Usually, not always, there are many ways to do this, but usually it's a it's a false victory or a defeat, you know, mm-hmm. if, if they because if it's a real victory, then movie ends. So it's like the midpoint sometimes in, in in many of those uh, writing books, uh, uh, the midpoint and the low point where where, you, where everything is lost, sometimes I feel like that we should focus a lot more on those two. And um, and then the, these all these lost moments is when you're watching a movie and you, you, you're you there on the edge of your seat and say, how in the world they're going to get out of this situation? Yeah. They can be eternal. And of course, it gives a lot of gasoline to the to the rest of the story. Like It gives like the fuel that the story needs because... If you have no idea how the situation is going to be solved, and then usually there's a realization from the main character, and then the second turning point in the climax. But like I try to, I, I put this on a circle and I divide it into ah. like basically do it in pen and paper. Yep. And sometimes, most of the time, I don't have all six. This is not math. This is not paint by the number. This is like what what are some temples that I could put there? Like what are some some moments? And then I start working in sequences, and and this is the fourth mm-hmm. point. It's like eight sequence approach. Again, you can find a, a twelve sequence approach, whatever it, it doesn't. For me, it's more for you as a writer. It's like crossing the ocean, like swimming through the ocean, and it's it's a long journey. And and if you have these islands in between, at least you have a place where you can get yeah. as a writer before then the structure itself. So. And then I, I, I try to turn these eight sequences into 40 beats. And so I try, and I, I'm, this is probably me, my personality, but I try to really set some strict rules for me and uh, uh, with, a, with a complete awareness that this is never math. 
this mm-hmm. is not like but it gives me like a frame where you know I write on on index cards uh, and I put them on a corkboard 10 10 bits for the uh, first stack 20 bits for the second act and 10 bits for the for the third act it's a, it, this is a pretty common approach that you see yeah, many it sounds people. accurate too <laughs> And and so you have a list and map, and also you have a you know when you write write a short film, it's very easy to you print it out and you can put it on your desk, and and you have this bird eye view when you can like look at it, and the story is there. When it's you know more than a hundred pages, then it becomes confusing. So these cards help you really see the full picture. And I spend probably eighty percent of my time on the cards, moving them, writing new scenes that come to mind, and and all that. And at the same time, I, I start doing something that I see that it's not as common and and at least I don't see it um, proposed in in the screenwriting books that are more po- most popular is to force myself to write the story in a single page I call it the one page I think it's something yeah. that's very uh, known for marketing and presenting films but I think it's a great tool for writers as well because if, if you force yourself to write in one page you'll discover that you had a lot of things that you thought that they were essential to the film, but they just don't fit. They, they physically don't fit in on the page. And so you start throwing out stuff. And usually what happens to me is that I get clarity on uh, um, on the story and what is the essence. And then uh, um, I'll go a little quicker because it, uh, this is a... a yeah, but I'm loving track. it. Keep keep going, yeah. And then from now I'm, I'm adding a third. Now I'm working at the same time. I actually have a board here. Uh, that I put on a chair, so I wanted to write and I can look at the board and see where I am at uh, with the. I love to work with uh, pen and paper and physical things. I think that mm-hmm. I, I love technology, but I think that it, there's something magical about not magical, but just like this contact with the material, like like a bad idea, you throw it in the trash, and and you get in the zone. Uh, at least for me, it's better to work. Uh, yeah. I don't know how how is it for you? Like, do you, do you prefer digital? Um, I work a lot in digital, but there's so many times, especially recently, that I'm just like, I've, I've had enough of digital. And so I just turn everything off and go and engage with something real, you know, pull out a sheet mm-hmm. of paper, you know, do a bunch of sketches on blank paper or whatever. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I do a combination of both. I really like the iPad because it kind of feels like a combination yeah, of the two. Exactly. But uh, still, there are times where it's like, no, nah, iPads, iPad mm-hmm. needs to go by the side and. And let's write on yeah. actual paper. Yeah, I get the feeling. I'm, I'm not an artist, but if you're an artist, it's, a, it's wonderful to put. You know, you have a written beat and then you you sketch a, a drawing and you put that on the board. Mm-hmm. It, there, you can do whatever you want. I mean, it's it's for you. This, this, nobody's going to, like, you're not going to turn in your, your cork board to, to the producer. And nobody you're will gonna, care. <laughs> nobody yeah, will see it. Cares. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, and then I start with the treatment, which is um, telling the story in prose, but with no dialogue. Right. Yeah. Sometimes uh, then at some point it evolves in a scriptment where, where when some lines of dialogue will appear. And so yeah. I try I try to gradually because it's scary for me to just like blank page on, on uh, the screenwriting software and, and and just type in there. I think that this yeah. gradual from the 40 beats then I put in because at some point this treatment I copy the treatment and paste it into this screenwriting software. I'm using Writer to do that now, and I put it there, uh, and then I start expanding from that. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's a great feeling uh, if you've written a, a, a film. You know, the blank page is scary, and and yeah. uh, 
that when you copy and paste your treatment, you already have 12 pages. And, yeah. and so, you, oh, I just need to expand this a little bit and, and, and uh, it's really satisfying. And then you can always, you know, you turn a description for prose into more visual stuff. You add dialogues and you start like expanding the script into, and they try to do, uh, that's something I see many writers do. The gross version to define it is vomit draft, where you yeah. just throw everything on the page. And it's totally liberating in terms of, um, I remember when it was, you remember I told you about the, these early conversations on Facebook and I, I was uh, chatting with a, a writer from Lost, the TV series, and uh, somebody that then went on on uh, executing producing his own series and, and a lot of great stuff. Yeah. He wrote one of the best episodes, in my opinion, of the series. And he, he told me, you know, uh, my suggestion is you read this book. And the book was called Write a Movie in 21 Days. I think what it was 21 days or something ridiculous, like something or yeah. 40 days or something like that. I was like, this is the most scammy title I've ever heard about. It's like, come on, really? This is and so but I said, of course I'm gonna trust you because because I mean coming from you, I think that that, that I better listen. And so I, I took the book and and um, it guides you through the process of writing a vomit draft, basically, which mm-hmm. is uh, yeah. and it's like shut up your judging mind that tells you that everything you put on the page is terrible <laughs> and just write and, and let it flow especially if you did the work up front of, of figuring out your story it's a great way to start because otherwise I, I i tried many times before of trying to you know this is the beat i know exactly what 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 a great scene would be then you start writing and it's not great it's terrible and so then you stop and it's frustrating and you get yeah. into a block and is that the uh, similar experience that you have or what has it uh, been like for you? Yeah, I, one thing I thought of as you talked about writing the treatment before the dialogue is that in in story he does talk about how people tend to write dialogue prematurely, but if you write on what's going on inside the characters' heads and what the emotional is and what things the things are happening, then when you go to write dialogue, it's much easier because you really understand like the dynamics of what's going on, and uh, you might not be. You know, you know, one of the first signs when you're watching something that the screenwriting is is a little lower quality is when they're talking about everything they're doing, you know, they're just kind of yeah. describing what they're doing as they do it. So when you've thought really thought about what the character's going through, then you could make the conversation about anything. Like maybe they come in and they're talking about the weather, but there's so much more depth there. Subtext. Yeah, yeah. there's subtext there. And so, yeah, my experience is much like yours. I'm always expanding. I spend a lot of time in the outline stage. I'll, I'll write and rewrite mm-hmm. that outline. Yeah, because of in my experience, it's harder to write when you've started to commit yourself mm-hmm, to the more like screenplay format and that sort of yes. thing. So, at the same time, like I had this current film that I'm working on now, I I had several weeks after I had done the outline a lot, and I was just writing it, writing it, and I felt like gold was coming out of my fingertips. Like so that was the feeling. And then you know, several months later, I got to pick it up again because I had more time, and uh, I thought, wow. That gold wasn't quite as gold as I thought it was, you know, (laughs) but it was great. It was great being able to see it again and say, okay, now let's really actually turn it into something great. Yeah. Yeah, I think I couldn't have done that if I had been the whole time saying, oh, this is bad. This is bad. This is bad. It's like, no, no, just write. Just write. Mm -hmm. That's the best feeling like like to write, shut off that that voice inside of you that tells you to judge what you need to write. And uh, to wrap up the list from there, it's, it's fairly simple. It's like, you know, you had this draft and then. Rough draft, first draft, second draft, polished draft, 
uh, the beauty of animation is at some point, if you're in a team environment, you'll get story artists and yes. you get to see the animatic. And that is the best part of the process. It hurts at the beginning, but then it's also beautiful to see what they add, what they remove as well, what you entire things that you thought that would work. And that's it. That's amazing. Like one of the films that, um, that I've worked on, we just finished like, I don't know, it's probably 12th animatic or probably more like it, but, but major changes is probably the 12th version of it. Mm-hmm. And so, and finally, finally we can see, okay, there's a story there now, things that, and I love how things that used to feel disconnected, they, they weren't thought to be connected, but then our brain and mind that, that's what we do. We connect stuff. And, and then they feel like after a lot of rewrites, they feel they were meant to be like that from the very beginning. Like it's like, they, yeah. they have like oh, this, this was perfect. And at the beginning, it wasn't. It was just there. Yeah. It was there were disconnected and, things. And that's kind of how we live life, right? We're taking, yeah. we're trying to find meaning and connect it together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then some people, you know, will arrogantly step forward and say, I have life figured out. And here's, Here's the ideal political belief and the ideal whatever, you know, religious belief or whatever. But uh, I think that you have to stay humble if you're looking for truth Mm -hmm. and you have to say, okay, where where are some things that I I hadn't made connections to that maybe are actually more connected than I realized? And I love that. It's a great analogy. Yeah. And and you touched on something that is um, what is your attitude as a writer and regarding what is true for you, like writing many writers would agree that writing is about finding the truth but it's not not imposing that to your story because we all have ideas about what truth is but it, mm-hmm. it's like let the story reveal that to you and so that is a yeah like we we had a, a live session we do we have a um like a group of people we call it the Writer animation academy it's a fancy name but it's <laughs> really like we get together over zoom once a month and, yeah. and one of the questions that came up in one of the sessions uh was about like a a lady that she was feeling very bad about not um not being able to find out the theme of the story what is the message and and mm-hmm. uh, i love how pete doctor uh, said always says what are you giving the audience to bring home what mm-hmm. is the thing they're they're thinking about when they're in the car after they watch the film in the theater or streaming whatever but but they they what is that sensation and and uh, i think that uh, forcing yourself to find that early on in your film it's a terrible mistake because then there are two options one you get frustrated because it's really hard to, to know that before uh, yeah. or the opposite is it feels like almost preachy or mm-hmm. propaganda it's yeah. like it's like you're trying to tell a message you know i want young kids to you know it's never the 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 good uh, approach. If you yeah. let your characters re- reveal themselves, let the story find because the story comes from your heart. So at, at some point, what you're gonna find on the page is is a mirror of, of what you're what you're discovering. And yeah. I think that, that it's really beautiful. And I know that that you also approach story like trying to find something meaningful, something that is uh, mm-hmm. that is uh, something that 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 is more than just entertaining. Yeah. Entertainment. And and in my case, I do think I. Often, even when I'm cutting up with the log line nowadays, I'm like, I see like, uh, I see the tip of the iceberg of meaning is kind of what I see. And I'm like, I know it's there. And then I'm just continually moving down into the ocean, exploring the yeah. edges and in the inside of this iceberg. Yeah. And it sounds like we're already actually touching on the final question that I always ask in this interview, which is how do we get the deepest concentration of meaning into a story? And uh, yeah. I think that's I think that's it. It's it's going past what you think you believe. 
I think if you have the same beliefs when you finish writing a story as when you began, that's just a disservice to yourself as, as a human. Mm-hmm. You need to grow, right? And also to the yes. audience, because um, very quickly, especially if you're on you're the opposite side of of a big group, like maybe a political group or whatever that believes completely differently, they won't feel heard or seen or anything in that story. Whereas if you if you get all the perspectives in the room and you have them all hash it out, you're going to have a lot yeah. stronger of a meaning. Yes, to question everything and to, to go to the very deep. Uh, I think is digging into yourself as well. What, what are your doubts? What are your fears? What are your... Mm-hmm. The more personal, uh, the more universal your story will be and, and the, the more authentic the theme will be because it's something, it's human nature. That's why... I mean, it will resonate even if it has. You, we've seen it. We we see some some uh, beautiful themes, specifically very specific about a, a culture, a place, a different language, and, and they resonate with the entire world. Yes. And so yeah. I think that is, uh, and uh, try never never try to chase the market. That's a terrible mistake. And, and really <laughs> dig into what is something you you're not telling people? Is something so private? Something that made you. Uh, suffer what is something that there's a, one exercise that i would like to uh to share with the, the who's listening is that's something i've learned from a teacher at, at naifa and she she asks uh, she asked us to write a list of what are the five films that we would watch over and over and over if somebody's watching those on, on netflix you walk into the room they're, they're probably half uh, the way through the movie you sit down with them you yeah. want to watch it and the, the only problem with this exercise, especially in our circle, is that we usually tend to put our on our filmmaker hat. So I would never say that I, I watched, uh, I don't know, the Smurfs uh, movie three or whatever, or uh, the, that romantic comedy that, that is so cheesy that, that uh, I would be embarrassed. We need to really be honest. Nobody's going <laughs> to look at your list, but be honest. And they, they don't need to be animated. They don't be, need to be acclaimed movies. And once you do that list, um, it's... Try to see what the protagonist is going through on, in an internal way. You know, Jurassic Park is not about dinosaurs. Of course, it's about dinosaurs. It's a great movie about dinosaurs. But there's a theme uh, from the protagonist that is way deeper than that, and that and is more human. And so, and and this for many movies that we think we love because of the great spectacle they put on the screen. But if you do that list, and then you think, okay, what is the main character going through? And usually, you find some theme that is. At least on 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 most of them, the head that really deeply resonates with you. It's like two chords on a guitar, and, and you, yeah. you strike one, and the other one vibrates. It's like there's this connection that's specific to you. That's especially when you cry, when you feel really emotional, and sometimes that can be. Dis- uh, some people cried in 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 the in the lesson when the, uh, at school when they huh. when they taught that. And cool. and I discovered something about myself that I, I thought was very interesting, mm-hmm. and and the thing that if you do that, then write about that, that that will make it more authentic and meaningful, and That's dig cool. into that because if it it makes you emotional, there's a reason for that. That's really cool, and the great news is that even though we're ending right now the live cast, um, you can follow. Pietro on Right for Animation on Instagram and his YouTube channel, which is also Right for Animation. At the same time, we're going to actually stop the recording here, but we're going to continue the recording so that Pietro has content for his YouTube channel that he can put on there of our further discussion of story and our passion for that. So be on the lookout for that. Anything else you'd like to add before we go? I want to thank you, Scott. This has been amazing. I would yeah. chat with you for hours. We'll keep 
uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll keep going and, and you'll see that on, on our channel. And uh, I love what you do. I really love uh, uh, the content on your channel. I think that people are going to learn a lot. And I want to thank everybody that's uh, that's been that stayed until the end and, and watched this. Uh, hopefully it was helpful somehow. And thank you again. Yes, thank you. We have an awesome audience. So thank you, audience. <laughs> all right. Until next, next time, I hope we all get a little wiser. Thank you for watching the Directing Animation Livecast hosted by Scott Weiser, audio version edited by Kira Horowitz, copyright Scott Weiser LLC 2022. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube and ring that notification bell.